Crazy Talk is part of the AudioWorks Podcast Network. Other podcasts on the network include the Five Film Death Punch podcast, a twice-monthly interview exploring guests' five favourite films, and the AudioWorks podcast, weekly long-form interviews with interesting, successful and funny people. You can find out more at audio-works.co.uk. Hello, welcome to Crazy Talk, a podcast all about mental health. My name is Meg and I will be your guide through the treacherous minefield of a mental health conversation that takes place on this podcast. Uh, this is episode 10, uh, so we have made it into double figures now. I think last time I was like a little bit confused. I couldn't remember what episode we got up to, but this is definitely episode 10. Uh, I made sure to check this time. Um... So I'll start with a bit of news actually because um, I just noticed an article in The Guardian which actually kind of ties in with something that uh, is spoken about in this episode. Uh, I will post it on our Facebook page uh, like I do with most articles and videos and stuff that I find Uh, but the headline with this one is mental health problems are rife among teenagers but teachers lack skills to help. So uh, basically one of the things that uh, is spoken about in this episode is how um especially in schools mental health is not something that's really spoken about um teenagers especially aren't given any kind of education on how to deal with negative emotions and you know the emotional distress that all teenagers go through some worse than others so this article is really interesting kind of backs up a lot of the stuff that um I'm talking about with my guest in this episode so definitely check it out it is over at the Facebook page at crazy talk the podcast Uh, I'm gonna dive right in with this fortnight's episode actually as I've already kind of given you a bit of a taster of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about so in the last episode I spoke with a few of my close female friends kind of a bit of a group episode and they all offered some interesting insights on a bunch of different mental health related topics but I'd actually already planned to do a solo episode with one of those women and um, it's Ellen Boatwright. Um, Chatting with her during the group episode sort of reminded me why I wanted to do a solo episode with her and it's because she has some really helpful experiences and insights into living with a mental health condition and she speaks about it really, really eloquently so it made sense to follow up that episode with one where we find out a little bit more about Ellen and her experience and what she's been through and what she's going through now so yeah let's dive right in here it is my conversation with Ellen Boatwright enjoy So, (laughs) 
yeah yeah um what particular aspect is that like your personal experience or well um it, the diagnosis that I have yeah um it's borderline personality disorder and it's something that's really received negatively so you get there's a lot of um like films and stuff like um what is it fatal attraction the woman in that has oh the bunny boiler great that's such a great (laughs) representation thank you so much I know I love it there's loads of people like that that have been it's just got a really sort of negative thing even in the mental health care um sort of industry it's still kind of looked down upon quite badly um but my diagnosis is something I'm kind of fighting against anyway so I don't really know I just thought I'd kind of go with the flow and so um so when were you actually when were you given this diagnosis then was it quite recent it was 2015 um in September what and they I guess before that did you just think that you like were depressed or um I was um so since I'm four I was 14 so it's been 11 years now um I've had problems with my mental health anyway so yeah I just kind of assumed it was like depression anxiety um but I always kind of knew I had problems with regulating my emotions anyway because there would be times where I I just wouldn't be able to kind of it's really overwhelming so I get sad not so much anymore um because I'm doing a little bit better now but when I would get sad it would just be like no one else I didn't understand why no one else was experiencing it like that so if I had a life event happen so if I went through a breakup it was horrendous and it was like my entire world was ending and I would just cry and scream and all sorts of things and I never really understood why that was happening and sometimes I would black out um, and then kind of like zone back in and be like I don't even know what's just happened and it would just be like oh you've just been crying for like three hours and I wouldn't really remember it um so yeah it was I knew something was wrong outside of the normal, um, oh, I say normal, but outside of those sort of parameters. And then um, it took just going through like the worst time ever to um, actually get it diagnosed because it, it took me kind of hitting rock bottom for anyone to even take me seriously, unfortunately. So. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess, yeah, like you said, it was, I think like a lot, a lot of people with mental health, it, it's, um, it takes a long time for them to get like an well, what you'd hope is an accurate diagnosis. So for you, when they uh, came to the conclusion that it's a borderline personality disorder that you've got, um, how was that conclusion reached? Like, did they just say, was it like just a checklist of things? And they're like, okay, you've got all of this, so you've got... So they have a checklist that's got... I don't even know how many things on it, but um, you have to meet certain criteria in order to be diagnosed. And I wasn't told they were saying, oh, they think it might be this and think it might be this, because I think if you were to be told that, then that would probably be quite leading. And you'd maybe say, yeah, like that's what's wrong with me. Um, I just met certain criteria that was on the list. So there's things like um, difficulty maintaining um, relationships, healthy relationships, um, dealing with emotions and um, fear of abandonment and uh, drastic mood swings as well. So like really quick mood swings that can be like euphoric one minute and then the next uh, just crying. Um, so you have to meet certain criteria. And then I'd been, I've been kind of in and out of therapy and with medication and stuff for years and years. And it just yeah took that one thing. And then I was just told, yeah, this is this is what it is. But they kind of were, they're hesitant to tell you that anyway. 
but when they told me it just made so much sense it was like everything kind of fell into place and that was the diagnosis for me I got kind of obsessive about it for a while um so I think in that sense it I, I was worried that okay now I've got this thing maybe I'm just gonna try I'm gonna make myself worse because I'm gonna think right okay well this is me now so I should probably be like all of the things on the list rather than a few of them um and then um actually just went the opposite way and started helping me to heal but yeah um it's a checklist that they have so I don't know if you know but like when you go to the doctor for like the first time I went when I was depressed they gave me a checklist yeah there's a lot of checklists that you have to go yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> loads of them so um this was kind of similar but it was more talking through it than actually physically ticking it off a list yeah okay so um for anyone that doesn't know because even I don't know a huge amount about borderline personality disorder. What, what is that, and what are the kind of characteristics of it for you personally? Oh yeah, I was going to say I can only say for me because I don't yeah. know about. Yeah, I mean like, it's different everything. for everyone, isn't it? So yeah, I mean some people really, really struggle with it, and they can't lead what is classed as a normal life. Um, but for me, it has affected. Um, it's affected every aspect of my life. Um, now I can kind of just go and say what it does for me now because previously it just took over my entire life but I didn't realize what it was I was like I'm sad all the time and then I'm happy and I'm sad and I can't I just seem to be arguing with everyone and I don't want any like it was just a lot it was just intense constantly that's only really the way that I can describe it for anyone who doesn't really know what it is or hasn't got it or hasn't been around anyone that has it or is aware that they've been around anyone that has it it's just constantly just feeling very intense so whether it's intense happiness or sadness um and I mean with kind of periods of sort of mellow moods um and just like scared constantly as well so I would be there were people that I had in my life that probably shouldn't have been there but I didn't I was so scared of being on my own that I didn't let them leave or I didn't kind of tell them to piss off when I should have done because I was too scared of being on my own um so for me it was just yeah intense fear that everyone was going to leave me all the time um and just a real struggle with knowing who who I am um it's yeah it's it's hard and it's hard to explain it articulately (laughs) um like being able to actually say it out loud um it's just a lot it's just yeah constant intense emotions really for me yeah because I I think like when people hear the words personality and disorder together they -hmm. sometimes assume that like it's like a split personality thing you've got like loads of different personalities and I guess it's not like that it's just sort of um extreme extreme like your emotions kind of go to the extreme yeah I mean some people when I was excuse me when I was um diagnosed the woman referred to it as emotionally unstable personality disorder um that's nice it's a common thing a lot of people because when I first got diagnosed I know a couple of other people that have the same diagnosis that I do and I messaged them and was like what the hell am I meant to do how am I meant to talk to my family about it um and then one of them said to me it's common for people to refer to it as emotionally unstable personality disorder and I think as offensive as that sounds because it sounds more like an insult than it does a diagnosis um it kind of helps explain it a little bit more yeah because then it's like because borderline personality disorder like like you said people are probably who don't have any knowledge of it are probably just going to assume yeah it's 
like split personality like you're one person one minute and one person another but yeah it's not like that it is all to do with your emotions and fear for me anyway okay so you mentioned that like since you've had the diagnosis and like a proper diagnosis things um have started to get a bit better for you is that just is that to do with being properly medicated or just life changes or a combination um well as I said to you before it's a diagnosis that I'm not 100% sure if I agree with anymore but I don't know if that's because I'm getting better or not because I'm not a professional so I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that sort of thing but um I think I learned more um, a lot more healthy coping mechanisms because the year that I was diagnosed, I'd been through a lot that year in a very short period of time. So it was like three months of just sheer hell. Um, and then I was diagnosed a month after, um, like the worst thing ever happened. Um, and a month after that, um, I was grieving for like three things at once. And that's when I got my diagnosis. So anyone during that sort of period of their life would have been all over the place anyway. Um, so I don't know if it's just coincidence that since that point, because time is obviously a healer, I swear, like the cliche thing. No, I yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, though. You're right. Yeah. So it was, I don't know if it's just coincidence or not, but I have, I went after then, I was still doing sort of really unhealthy things. Like I would go out and I would drink all the time and um, was just being really unhealthy with the way that I was trying to distract myself from my brain. Um, but now I don't know if it's just, coincidence that I've learned more healthy coping mechanisms or not but I um was in therapy for a short while um and then stopped because the therapy that I was having was CBT and doesn't work for me um it works for a lot of people but it doesn't work for me yeah sorry to interrupt you but I they I've had CBT like attempted anyway and I totally agree it just does not work for me I just I can't trick my brain into thinking another way I'm just too yeah. aware of myself, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. When you're hyper self-aware, I think especially after you've received a diagnosis and you're like, right, okay, this is why the way I am the way I am. Um, and then somebody's trying to make you change it. CBT, I don't know why I was having that, for, especially for borderline, because it just, I don't know, it just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and it just odd. felt a bit silly. It, makes se- it, it kind of makes sense to me for like anxiety, for example, because mm-hmm. anxiety is often just your thinking's a little bit skewed. Yeah. So it's like fixing that thinking, but yeah, for borderline personality disorder, it doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. No, it doesn't. Um, so I stopped going, um, and I also kind of got to another sort of darker period where I stopped caring as much as well. Um, I was on a few different medications, but medication, and for, I, I took one antidepressant that really worked for me at that period of time. So for about nine months, um, I was taking sertraline, and it was it was amazing for me. But I'd be constantly kind of elated and I couldn't ever sleep. So I, could, I had to stop taking it because um, that was obviously making me worse in the long run. Um, and now I'm not on any medication and I'm also not in therapy. But it's something that I want to go back to. But unfortunately, it's really expensive and not many people want to see people who have borderline personality disorder. So Really? Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> it's something I was really surprised at as well. But um, apparently it's really hard to we're like hard to work with um notoriously but I don't in my experience I'm really open to it because I want to get better so I'm like right okay just whatever I'll try whatever but I can imagine that a lot of people with the diagnosis maybe aren't but that's the same for everyone so I don't I don't get it personally um at all 
why no one would want to see someone or help someone with this yeah. diagnosis but apparently it's really common um that they don't and I when I was ringing around because the waiting lists for therapy are just mental like it's, it's abysmal, you have to wait yeah. for so long yeah it truly truly is so I looked at going private um and I was ringing around different practices in Northampton and asking who would see me and I managed to get one guy who told me that there was one woman that worked there um who would see me because she specialized in personality disorder but she wanted 175 pound an hour oh my goodness I can't afford that or no 175 pound a session I think I might have that wrong but it was around that price that like the private side of things I knew it was going to be expensive and I know there are people there that would take me on um with my diagnosis but it just it was hard and that was about a year ago that I was ringing around places maybe a year and a half um and I just kind of gave up from then um and I've just been doing it on my own (laughs) well it's really Um, good that you're um not on medication I think that's great um I mean obviously I did an episode about medication and I was very like positive about medication in that but if you can get Mm -hmm. to a point where you're coping without it that's a really good sign and Obviously, I mean, I hung out with you a couple of weeks ago and, you know, you seem like you're in quite a good place. Yeah. Like, you weren't an emotional wreck <laughs> or, emo- <laughs> sorry, emotionally unstable. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's a good sign. But, um, yeah, I think therapy is great for just kind of maintaining yourself when you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, I think... The thing with that was that that weekend, it's I still have my blips because I had a great time with you guys and that whole weekend was really nice. But then two days later, I couldn't get out of bed again. Um, and I do still have times like that where, like, quite frankly, I want to die. And it's it's really hard to get out of that place. And um, that's why I want to go into therapy. But it's, yeah, that was, I still do have those days. But in general... I'm a lot better at coping with those feelings now than I was before. Yeah. And actually, I think um, a lot of people with um, mental health issues kind of give themselves a hard time for having bad Mm -hmm. days every now and then. But you just have to remember that even, like, the sanest person has a bad day every now and then. Like, it's just a part of being human, really. Obviously, bad bad days, when you've got a mental health condition, are worse than Mm -hmm. what a bad day is like for you know somebody who's air quotes normal but yeah you know everyone has them so it's it's you know it's not something that you should like dwell on or anything no I think you're right and I do think it is it's so easy to forget it because you kind of well for me anyway I get so wrapped up in my own head that I'm just like oh god this is the worst thing ever it's never going to end but it does and it's like we said about the whole anxiety thing the last time when I was on um and we were saying like it's over and then you're like oh I can't even believe I ever felt like that um it still it happens the same way when it comes to sort of those horrible feelings of doom that you have when you're in like a low place um it's I mean it's scary but yeah I I just think yeah it gets it's a lot easier now um and I do think that if yeah you are having a bad day you do kind of have to remember that everyone has them because I just think it just seems like the end of the world when you're mentally ill and you're like right well this is it I'm gonna have to start all over again now yeah definitely it does feel like that a lot of the time when you're Mm -hmm. at your lowest point um yeah so you mentioned that um now you're kind of in a bit of a better place you're not 
necessarily 100% comfortable with that diagnosis. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you're like considering maybe getting looked into again? Or I don't know, like, do, do you think you maybe know? Is there an alternative di- diagnosis that you're, you'd maybe be more comfortable with? Uh, no, because I've tried desperately it's hard but I've tried desperately not to look into other things as much because I don't want to push myself into um another diagnosis and convincing myself that there's something else wrong with me when it could just be BPD and it could it could be that but I think you have I have had two doctors say it is um but I also know people who I know therapists um and mental health nurses who just say, oh, it doesn't make any sense. But then again, they only know me on a personal level. They don't know me on a psychiatric professional level. So I'm not really sure. Um, I, I think it may have something to do with the fact that I'm healing and I've developed different coping mechanisms. Um, and maybe just that something really terrible hasn't happened to me in a while. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, it's something that when I get back into therapy, um, I definitely want to see if somebody if they can point me in the direction of somebody that can maybe have a look at it and see 100 percent if it's that or if it's something else or if it's nothing yeah I think there's like there's a an awful lot of value in a diagnosis and I think like for me before um before I got a proper diagnosis in particular for what was going on with my physical health and then Mm. a, a kind of diagnosis for my mental health I kind of felt like my whole life was just like one big question mark. Like I didn't really know what was wrong with me. Yeah, Um, yeah. And kind of getting that, it's almost like closure really when somebody says this is what's wrong with you because you can then start to to cope with that and just think, okay, well, this is my life now. This is what's wrong with me. I'll deal with that. And then that's all I kind of have to worry about. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of up until that point. It's like I said earlier, when you're... I was just frantic all the time and I was like why is nobody else reacting in the same way that I'm reacting and getting frustrated that people were like why why are they not acting the same way that I act when something happens or why aren't they getting as excited as I'm getting about this thing and I never understood it and I was like what I just don't get it like why, what's wrong with everyone else and then as soon as I got that diagnosis I was like oh this makes so much sense and I remember telling um one of my best friends I was like oh I've got this diagnosis now and then she read up on it and she was like that just makes so much sense like everything, the way that you act and sometimes the way that you get emotional about things or you get hurt and you you get angry with me. She was like, it makes loads more sense now. Um, I also think it has a lot to do with the fact that I have an amazing group of people around me who are super supportive um, because when I didn't, that's when I just felt like completely alone. And the diagnosis thing kind of pulled me out of that. But it, yeah. There's a lot of value in it, and up until that point, I did feel just completely lost. Like I just don't understand the world, <laughs> um, and why they're not, why people just aren't acting in the same way as me. Like why is I don't I don't I never got it, but yeah. But the support network thing as well, um, between the diagnosis and having an amazing group of people who are really there for me and really want to understand me, I'm so lucky. I'm lucky that I got to that point. Yeah. I think you're right. It's- support network is I think as important as medication and therapy like having good support network is so valuable if I if I hadn't had that I honestly don't think I'd still be here because 
you need to have like even just somebody there that you can talk to really honestly and say how I'm mm-hmm. feeling even if they can't help you it's just like so helpful just to get all that stuff off your chest and just knowing that you've got people there to support you it's I mean it's not um it's 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 hard for me to think about the fact that there are people out there who don't have that yeah it breaks my heart when I think about that because I just for so long I didn't realize how lucky I was I just thought about the fact that there are other people who maybe if they lose one person, that's it. Like they don't have a network of other people or they've never had that one person to talk to. And it's hard for me to comprehend. And I just think we are so, so lucky that we have these incredible networks around us because it makes me want to cry when I think about the fact that there are people who are so alone. It's um, it's so easy to just for people to just end up in a really like kind of desperate situation if you don't have that support network yeah I think when you're struggling with your mental health it's really easy to forget the fact that shit like that happens to other people and it's I know it's all relative but like that's so much worse because if I hadn't have had my family and I hadn't have had I moved in with friends um, and then I moved back home and if I hadn't have had those people around me that could have quite easily been me and the same I'm assuming with you as well like when you have your bad days and like you could potentially be so much worse if you didn't have your family and friends then yeah for sure what the hell would you even do because the support is not there it's it's just not the, unfortunately the funding isn't available and there's just not enough support there for people who are mentally ill and end up in sort of destitute situations yeah I mean and I mean that's like an issue I could talk about for like three hours now yeah how um <laughs> how I don't want to say how poor mental health care in general is in this country yeah it's not poor you know when you actually get to the point that you are getting help it's a good it's it's good quality care but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just I mean like you said waiting lists are so long um carers who I spoke to on like the first proper episode of this podcast was talking about how she'd been on a waiting list for CBT for nine months yeah after nine months that sort of crisis situation that you're in it's going to be over and it's going to have gone one of two ways it's just it's hard not to criticize um the mental health care that's out there when you've experienced something directly I mean I've been made to wait months and months and months before and yeah it it sucks (laughs) that you have to wait for so long Um, it's one of those things though like if if you like I don't know bleeding to death on the street Mm -hmm. you're gonna get immediate care for that but if your um I don't know brain is just completely um almost turned against you and you can't deal with that there's no like immediate care for that apart from maybe getting sectioned which isn't isn't always um the best option sometimes that makes people worse exactly so it's like Mm. I guess because it's not a a visible thing that kind of immediate emergency care isn't necessarily always available no Um, and people are scared to admit how they're feeling as well and people when your own brain is telling you that you want to die and you want it's there's no escaping that and sometimes especially with the amount of stigma that surrounds mental health and it might to me sometimes I find it hard to believe that there even still is stigma just because of the people that I surround myself with aren't really like that and they don't really believe that it's not a thing um but obviously it still clearly is there because otherwise people wouldn't be 
hurting themselves um, over the fact that they can't speak to anyone. Um, I don't know. I think it's something that should probably be taught in schools more because I, I don't think I ever had any education on mental health when I was in school. No, I didn't. But then, no, I, but then I think... it's been like ten years since I left school, so I don't know if anything's. Yeah, I don't know if anything's <laughs> changed, but I hope it has because I know as well with when it comes to parenting. Um, I mean, my mum, bless her, she's great now because she understands what's going on. But when I was younger. She was like, I don't understand what's wrong with you. And I mean, if that if there was more information just readily available for parents and, and there's workshops and things that people can go to now, but I just think it's something it just needs to be so much more open because there just wouldn't be as and it's like I said about my diagnosis, if more people knew what it actually entails, it doesn't sound so fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and we we wouldn't all be labelled bunny boilers. So <laughs> It's, um... Yeah, it's almost like it just needs to be completely overhauled and almost like just mm-hmm. go back to the drawing board with how mental health is approached and dealt with in modern society, I guess. Yeah, there's just a lot There's just a lot wrong with the whole system and it's a shame. But the people that, are, that work in it always express to me their frustration about how upset they get when people say, oh, the NHS system is shit. Because, like, they're trying their best, but it's just yeah. so hard for you to even understand that it's not crap when you're on the other end of it and you're desperately trying to get help and it feels like nobody's listening to you. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was an NHS GP who kind of, um, well, there's, it was a team effort, I think, getting me back on my feet, but my GP was a big part of it and that was just, you know, that wasn't private, that was just the NHS, but... Yeah. You know, he dealt with me really well. So, you know, there's there's good there's good out there in the way that um people with mental health are dealt with with the NHS, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just I don't think the right systems are in place and it's just it's not right that people have to wait so long for something that they need then and there. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, if it was a physical illness, you'd be you'd be getting physiotherapy and because yeah. it's your brain and you can't see it and you can only be some people need pressured to not pressured well yeah actually like they need they need it pulling out of them like what's wrong with you and they need somebody to kind of get it out of them to make them say it because they're just so nervous that some like some, nobody's going to take them seriously for one or they're going to get judged and I do feel bad for GPs because I think they need to get more training with it but yeah it's um it's a messy thing <laughs> and it's a difficult system but I mean hopefully it's it's getting better so we can just keep our fingers crossed that people are going to be able to talk about it more freely and I think that like with you doing something like this as well like since you announced that you were doing it I thought oh my god that's amazing because there's so many people that I know and I don't know if it's just coincidence that everyone that I seem to know especially when it comes to creative people I just they have mental health issues um and I think that just everyone needs to talk about it a lot more especially men yeah definitely um I think um men in particular yeah just I don't want to sound like I'm generalizing but you know generally men aren't as comfortable talking about their feelings and no um you know that's why unfortunately the suicide rate is a lot higher for men um because 
yeah, they just don't seek out the help because they don't want to talk about it. No, it's sad. I mean, I've had people say to me before because when I've posted things about like I'm having a bad mental health week or whatever I've had people message me so male friends message me and be like I'm here for you if you need it and I'm like same for you and they're like yeah when I know that they're struggling with something but even when even when somebody is telling them like if you need to talk to me about it they're like yeah right yeah and they just don't so it sucks but yeah, yeah. um I feel like we just went off topic there <laughs> oh no not at all it's all on topic yeah um so I'm going to change the subject a bit now, but I did want to talk to you at least a little bit about your, I don't want to say drawing, because that makes it sound like you're a kid who does doodles, your (laughs) your illustration. So you started this kind of um, illustration project. First of all, where the hell does the name come from? Okay, so um, the name, uh, yes, that's the tiny clay bum, (laughs) literally comes from because... I used I basically started making things to distract from anything else. So I made this tiny bum out of silk clay and it was on top of my TV and one of my friends was like, Is that? And then I just said, Yeah, that's a tiny clay bum and I didn't know what else to call my page, so that, I just called it that. I like it. It's got a story behind <laughs> it, it's funny. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so yeah, there, I mean there's a lot of um I guess there's not a running theme to your illustrations, but there tends to be a lot of stuff like um, self-portraits and almost like you're, yeah. you're, sh- you're showing your feelings through those illustrations. So is it, I guess it's quite a good outlet for you to just, you know, when you're feeling something, you can just sketch it out and stick it online. Yeah, it makes it, it's, I I see things sometimes where people have said, and I saw it quite recently, I don't know if you would have seen it, because it was, someone posted something on Facebook about using medication for recreational purposes, and some of the comments on there were um, something about, well, if people who actually have mental health issues don't talk about it on social media. Now that (laughs) really annoyed me. That status, I read some of the comments, and then I was so mad that I just... um, I think I just posted some face palm emojis and we're just like, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously everyone's entitled to their opinion, um, but some of those comments on there were... They missed the mark a bit, the comments. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, some of them, but they were also incredibly hurtful. And I know people don't really mean things like that, but they're really invalidating. So when people say, oh, if you really had a problem, you wouldn't talk about it like that sucks because then it's like well maybe there isn't actually anything wrong with me and I know that you shouldn't really take things that people say online seriously but it can can really get to me so I basically have since for like the last the last few years I've kind of been like no fuck that I'm gonna talk about it if I want to um and I don't like I don't really care if people think it invalidates the fact that I'm ill um and those drawings I started doing them because I had a really bad day and I literally did not know what else to do. Um, I had no other outlet and I just thought, right, well, if I can't do anything, I'm I'm not going to sit in my room. And I just was kind of bubbling and itching like I need to do something. Um, So I just did a drawing of a girl crying and then it just went from there because I just realised it made me feel so much better to put it out there on like on paper. Some of the stuff I draw, I don't even post online. Um, 
but yeah it just makes me feel so much better and it's such a healthy outlet in comparison to the things that I was doing before so now I'm like right this is this is it it's my it's my big coping thing now yeah and I like that you know you said you drew a girl crying but Mm -hmm. um the way you draw things it's not like really emo you know like (laughs) really dark like girl crying like I almost feel like um they're sort of um they're quite funny like you're making fun of those emotions a little bit yeah because I think you kind of have to especially when when I've been so used to experiencing everything so intensely for so long you literally if you don't laugh you're gonna cry yeah so I just think right I'm just gonna make myself and there are some things that I do that I know are a bit weird so (laughs) I'll google things and I know probably everyone does it but to me I'm like this is a bit strange so I'll google weird things and then I'll draw me about googling weird things or asking like last night I was like Siri where do I go to scream (laughs) because I was so frustrated yeah I'm just gonna (laughs) thanks I was like I'm just gonna put that out there because somebody else has probably done it as well yeah (laughs) it doesn't really matter but yeah yeah, there's a lot of little quirks that um I think a lot of people with any like mental health problem have um Mm. like googling stupid shit um so it's yeah it's like it's quite um I guess for for any people can just identify with it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, some people have messaged me who like people I haven't spoken to in years, and they've been like, "Yeah, like that's made me want to draw, or that's like done this or whatever. Um, it's made me feel okay." Or they'll again laugh at it because <laughs> it is funny. Like sometimes it might sound insensitive, but like being mentally ill can just be really funny sometimes <laughs> because it doesn't make sense. So <laughs> you just have to laugh at it. Yeah, I think like. Laughter is the best medicine, as they say. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's good yeah. to be able to just you know poke fun of it. Like sometimes yeah. you know I'll be talking to people about my mental health, and I'll just be like, yeah, I'm just like fucking mental. Like <laughs> I'm a cra- I'm a crazy well. bitch. Like that's yeah. it. Like you just have to like be f- be a bit humorous about it, because otherwise it's just really bleak. Well, yeah, because you don't want to make it. Like, the hardest thing, especially when it comes to personality disorder, because people will hear that. Like, I thought when I thought my mental health was, like, all I was for quite a long time. And when it comes to your personality, like, that's scary because that's who you are. And when somebody tells you there's something wrong with your personality, you're like, I don't know how to change that. So instead of like letting it for a while I probably did let it completely consume me because like I said when I got my diagnosis I probably got a bit obsessive about it but then after a while I just thought like if I want to get better I'm gonna have to laugh at some of the weird stuff that I do or say or the way I act sometimes because like it is it is me but it's not my entire being yeah it's all part of just accepting the situation that you're in because you can't change it so yeah exactly yeah there's no point dwelling on it because sometimes I'll be like I'm crazy and like there's one particular friend she'll always be like you're not crazy and she'll try and like support me and I'm like oh shut up like yeah (laughs) yeah I you know I I say you know I'm crazy and whatnot and sometimes I worry that like people are gonna think that I am actually totally crazy I'm not I'm just a little bit unstable but I just like to you know make fun of myself so yeah well I think you deal with it people deal with it in different ways some people and that's totally fine but I do think that humor as a coping thing is great because if you can't take the piss out of those things in yourself 
then I mean it's fine like if people I think probably sometimes people might hear the way that I talk about myself and probably the way that you talk about yourself and your mental illness and be like wow <laughs> like that's kind of offensive yeah. but if it's all about the way that you cope and if that makes you feel better then that's great and the humor for me is definitely a big one yeah I think um I'm sure a lot of people um even the fact that this podcast is called crazy talk would probably yeah. probably be a bit offended by it um I actually like um a while ago like a few episodes back I was like maybe I'll like post about um this podcast on on reddit you know on the mental health oh, subreddit <laughs> you know it might help a few people and they might find it interesting yeah. now nah, they're just like this is so offensive you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong and you shouldn't talk about this stuff and you shouldn't ask somebody with mental health that question and I'm just like oh come on yeah well what is the right way to do it like if you're not a professional and you're just trying to make people feel more comfortable about talking about it I mean there is like I said to you earlier if you hadn't have done this I wouldn't be talking to you (laughs) about the facts about my BPD because I don't talk to anyone about it because it is scary and it is nerve-wracking and it's it's not very nice when you have to tell someone or explain the inner workings of your brain but also talking about it in this way means that if somebody else is having like if I never need to talk to somebody else about it then it's going to be a lot easier because I've already had that conversation once and if somebody hears this and and kind of relates to it either from your side or my side or anyone else like I listened to the episodes with Ollie and Harriet and that made me be like right okay I can actually talk to people about those issues that I have so to somebody else you might be doing it completely wrong but for other people it's right so that's good yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, with every new episode that comes out, that's like one more person that you can look at and say, oh, you know, they're kind of in a similar boat to me. I'm not the only one mm-hmm. kind of going through this stuff. Because for me, yeah. that was that was the biggest turning point for me when I realised that I'm not weird. Like, this isn't an abnormal thing. There's a lot of people going through the same thing. Yeah. That was, like, I think probably the point when I started to to get to get better really um because that that often that feeling of being alone in what you're going through is can be like the worst part of it yeah it's that well that is the worst part because I think even though like I said I have this great group of people around me and I do know other people that have the same diagnosis that I have it's sometimes it does just literally feel like I am the only person on the planet that is going through this and it yeah. sounds very woe is me and very dramatic but it that's that, literally some days that is it and I'm like nobody understands what it's like to be inside my brain and when you hear someone else who literally does understand it then it just makes everything feel a little bit better even if it's only for a little while yeah definitely I mean when when I've been bad I have a habit of like we've said googling stuff and uh going on forums like mental health forums and stuff and it can be quite scary but then I like I look back retrospectively and I'm like well when I went on that forum I was in a really bad place so most of the people on that forum are probably on there because they're in a really bad place like when your mental health is really good you're not going to go on a mental health forum and talk about it so so I think it's I don't know there's there's got to be other places that people can go to to hear what other people are going through I guess that aren't these kind of dark corners of the internet where everyone's like this is terrible I've got no hope it's really 
bleak and you know there's no way forward um so yeah I guess that's the main purpose of this but yeah and I think it works because I know I'm not I'm not the only person because I before you released this I remember looking at because I listened to other podcasts most of them are surrounding subjects that aren't even anything to do with mental health but whenever they have a guest on that is something to do with mental health it's always kind of made me like listen that extra little bit um and then when I found out you were doing this I was like this is great because honestly there's so many people that I know that need to be able to listen to something like this and realize that it's okay and that they can talk about it and I think yeah it's definitely a good thing definitely it's definitely nice to have something there that even if you don't even if you don't want to talk about it to listen to somebody else talk about what they're going through and then be like yep that's fine I'm not on my own and it's good but also um while we're on the subject of like not going places when you feel like crap um there was an app that really helped me for a while um I don't know if you've spoken about it before it's called seven cups of tea I've never heard of that no okay um it's an app that basically they have people they're not professional therapists or anything like that but you know how um you can call like the Samaritans and stuff like that when you feel awful and you need someone to talk to yeah yeah so this one is like um, a way to do it I swear I'm not sponsored by them or anything (laughs) but this one is um like a way to do it but kind of like um whatsapp so you download the app and then it will connect you to somebody from all around the world so if you don't want to talk to anyone in the UK because of privacy reasons or whatever that's fine um but it like I have spoken to people in India um in Australia and all sorts that um, they get trained on how to deal with certain situations but it's it literally is just somebody there who doesn't know you doesn't know your friends doesn't know your situation is there to listen to you and reassure you and make sure you're all right so if there is anyone who feels like they don't have anyone in their life to talk to that app it really really helped me so it might help someone else and it's called seven cups of tea yeah it's on iphone um and I think it's on Android as well. That's such a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? When I found it, I couldn't, I actually couldn't believe how lucky I was when I found it. I just Googled something like someone to talk to um, and about mental health and then it just came up. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's amazing. It's such a good idea. That's awesome. Yeah, because like, um, if I'm, and luckily I haven't for quite a while, but if I'm ever feeling like really, really down the Samaritans are absolutely great but quite often Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to talk to somebody on the phone I don't want to talk but talking over you know instant message god that shows that shows my age I am talking (laughs) over I am um yeah talking over an MSN like uh (laughs) chat server um Mm -hmm. it's um it's a lot easier yeah it is I have never rang the Samaritans because like you said when it's like I don't want to talk out loud because sometimes when I feel like that I don't know if you get this as well but sometimes when I feel like that if I hear my own voice it will make me feel worse um I don't know what it is but it's just something about it it's like when you're crying and someone gives you a hug and you cry harder yeah Um, it's because it makes it real I think so um if it yeah it's just it's just an amazing idea and it's really really helpful and I genuinely do think that there have been times that if that if that facility hadn't have been available to me then I don't know who I would have spoken to or what I would have done so 
That's really so good, great. Yeah. I can't believe I've never heard of that before, but um, mm-hmm. I will definitely, well, hopefully I won't need to, but if I ever need to, I will definitely use that because it sounds yeah. like a really good idea. I'm sure there's more than one available now, um, but I haven't used it for quite some time. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a great idea. It's definitely a really good resource. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Before we wrap no, up, no, I feel like I've just babbled for so long and I've probably gone completely off topic. No, no, but... no, no. Honestly, like, um, we've talked about some really good stuff, so I think this is going to be a, a good episode. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, cool. Well, I usually. that's it thank you again for listening and an extra special thank you to Ellen for being such a great guest so easy to talk to and so open with her experiences you can follow Ellen's illustration work on Instagram at at yes that's a tiny clay bum and trust me it's definitely worth checking out as always you can get in touch with me at crazy talk the podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at at crazy talk the podcast where You'll find news, updates and most importantly information about professional help and support should you be in need of it. If you want to like, share, rate or of course subscribe to the podcast then please do go ahead. I really appreciate the support. See you again in two weeks. Until then, take care guys.